But the part that concerns me as a citizen of this country <laughs> is that everybody, number one, doesn't know that they need to do extra. They don't know that they need to put kids into these programs. And number two, even if they do know, everybody can't afford it. There are a lot of people that can't afford it. So what are they supposed to do? I'm Sharia Woods. I'm a dreamer, a mom, and a community builder. I've always loved learning people's stories and figuring out how to keep getting better. And I created the Rise Society podcast to give you the inspiration and step-by-step strategies you need to get clear on what you want so you can design a life you love. If you know there's something bigger in this world for you and you're ready to figure out what it is, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello again, and welcome back to the Rise Society podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the journey of figuring out what your kids need to thrive in school. When you first have a kid, no one tells you how hard it will be to navigate parenthood. It doesn't matter how big and supportive your community is, the decisions will all be your own. And every day, you and your partner, if you have one, will ultimately be the ones responsible for making the decisions that impact your child's well-being today and in the future. This is the part where I usually say, no pressure. (laughs) But if you're a mom, you're probably feeling all of the pressure. So we're going to dive into it today. And I'm going to share some of the things that I've learned so far with full transparency that I'm still on this journey with you learning. And if you're like me, your friends are probably all going through the same thing and trying to figure out like what they need to do to help their kids really thrive. And so if you could share this episode with any friends that come to mind, wherever you're listening is really easy just to click the share button and then it'll give you a link that you can drop into a text message and send to them really quick and easy and it's a great way to let them know that they're not alone on this journey we're all in this together all right so let's jump in over the past week or so I've been listening to this podcast series called soul to story that talks about reading in the United States and how the way that it's been taught hasn't really been working for our students. And the part of it that's been the most interesting to me is listening to the parents talk about their frustration, realizing there was a problem, realizing that their child was struggling, and the journey of navigating how to get answers for their kids and to get solutions for their kids. And it ranged from people who were just figuring it out. Like I went and got a curriculum and taught my kid how to read myself. People at the school board asking questions, demanding answers, Um, teachers themselves who their kids started struggling with reading and then they realized the way that they were teaching just wasn't working for their own kids and having to like reorient and find a new solution for them. And it just brought to mind some of my own frustrations and some of the challenges that I know a lot of us are facing in this idea or this concept that, you know, the goal is to get your kid into a great school. And if you get them into that school, then they're going to learn. And the more I learn about the way the systems work, the more that I experience as a parent, the more I realize that this is just not the reality. Like this is just not the way things work. And I'm starting to question if it's even the way things are supposed to work. 
This will be the start of a series where we dig into some education-related topics. This is something that I'm really passionate about. I do college access work, and so I work to make sure students have the opportunities and resources to make the transition from high school to college. But lately I've been thinking so much about the early childhood space, the elementary space, and what we need to be doing in those years to really prepare our kids for whatever futures they decide to pursue. So going back to the podcast series that I was listening to, and if you want to listen, I really want you to, I'll put a link into the show notes. Um, But this was episode four, and they interviewed a teacher who struggled with learning to read herself and actually had to repeat a grade. But the second time she did that grade, she got an amazing teacher, um, really grounded in phonics training and was able to teach her to read. She loves reading. She was able to actually teach her grandmother to read. Her grandma grew up in the South and just didn't have access to quality educational opportunities. So she was in her 60s and her granddaughter was able to teach her to read. So having that experience growing up, she was very passionate about teaching other people to read, became a teacher worked in an inner city school in the South where her grandma was from, super passionate about it, and then decided she wanted to go and work in an affluent suburban elementary school and to see what they were doing so she could bring back those things to her neighborhood. And when she went to the elite public school, she said it was like Disneyland for teachers. There were plenty of resources, tools, the books were new and shiny and all of the things. But what she soon uncovered was even though she was at this really nice school, most of the kids were doing tutoring at home. They had their own personal tutors. They were in tutoring programs. They were in enrichment programs. And so it wasn't so much that they were getting this amazing education, like It wasn't bad, but the parents were layering on to that education and that was really boosting the outcomes of the school. And so she kind of went on to talk about some conversations she had with friends where they talked about it and they were like, yeah, I, you know, a lot of her friends were minorities. It sounded like she was maybe a black woman and they were like, yeah, we scraped and saved to move into this nice neighborhood because they said they have these amazing schools. And then we get here and we realize that we still need to hire tutors. We still need to do things to make sure that our kids are learning what they need to learn. And it was so like for me affirming to hear this lady say this because this is what I've been feeling as I have started this journey of being an elementary school parent. Um, We have these schools that are in these nice neighborhoods and they have amazing test scores and we are assuming that that's because the schools are so good. And I'm not saying the schools are bad, but these neighborhoods are really bolstered by the fact that they have parents in them with the resources to be able to supplement what they're getting in the elementary schools. And this is what I have you know, kind of uncovered, (laughs) you can say, as I started this work. And it's funny because I worked at an organization called Dallas After School, and I led the work about expanding access to out-of-school time programming. So it's not that I was unaware of the impact of having um, supplements to your education, but I think the way that I thought about it before, it was more how do you make sure that a kid has a broad experience, like 
you don't want to just nurture the academics. You want to make sure they're exposed to athletics and art and culture. And what I'm finding now is like, no, even for just the core academics, they need more than at least what they're currently getting during the school day. You know, and as a as a parent of a child that's attending um, an A-rated school, he's in a magnet school now, but our neighborhood school was also an A-rated school. I still feel like my son has some gaps that we are working on. And so we're spending, you know, not a small amount of money on tutoring for him to make sure he stays on track at school, to make sure that he tests at a level that if we want to put him in a top magnet school, we can. I'm leaning towards keeping him in our neighborhood because it's just easier. But there's something about like a test telling you that your kid can't go to a certain school that just bothers me. So I'm like, I want him to score where we have whatever menu of options available to us. But the process of me getting him the support he needs has been very haphazard (laughs) because even though I work for an education nonprofit, all of this was new to me. I've never been a parent of a grade school student before and I didn't know like what was normal or what was required. I think when we put our kids into these good schools, we have a certain amount of faith that they're going to get a good education. And they may, but I've come to view school as the foundation for learning instead of the whole picture. And I feel now like if you want your kid to get the best education and they're in a public school, you do have to do a certain amount of scaffolding on, whether it's hiring out or supplementing with workbooks or different things. The more people I talk to who kids are doing really well, the more I find that they're doing something special for them or they have them in um, a private school. And I also want to say, like, I believe teachers are doing their best. Um, but if you're in a public school, there are usually is going to be one teacher to like 20 or more kids, right? And so it's probably impossible for our kids to get the personalized attention that they need in that situation. Like if they are behind in school, they're probably going to get pulled out for some type of intervention. Or if they have a learning difference, they'll probably be pulled out. But if they're doing pretty good in school, they just kind of bop along on the education treadmill. When I go on my rants, I always call it like the race to the middle. Because as long as your kid is scoring in the middle, they're not in like the 40th percentile or below, no one is really checking for them. Like it's, it's fine. He's fine. They're fine. (laughs) And the process of coming to the conclusion that I was going to need to like lean in on this started when things were actually going pretty well, but I had my eyes on one of the top magnet schools for my son. And I was frustrated because his test scores didn't match what I thought his ability was. And the test was like the key to unlock the door to the full portfolio of schools in the district. So One day, you know, we were at his football game um, and we were connecting with a mom who, funny enough, went to school with my husband and they were catching up and she started telling us that her daughter was in this STEM magnet school. So, of course, you know, I lean in (laughs) and she told us her secret and her secret was putting her daughter in a program called Kumon. Um, And she explained that tutoring was the only way to really do well on that test or to, you know, go above the average because the schools didn't teach beyond the grade level on the standard curriculum. So she said once she put her daughter in Kumon, she tested to the STEM school pretty quickly afterwards. And so at this stage of my parenting journey, people had kind of made me feel crazy. Like I would ask his teacher for feedback and she would say, 
he's doing fine or he's on grade level. But that's not really what I wanted to hear. What I wanted to hear was he's thriving and he's so ahead of the pack. Um, I think my little boy is the smartest kid in the world. And of course, I am a little bit biased, but I really wanted him to be challenged. Like I saw how smart he was and I worried a lot. (laughs) Um, But when I went to Kumon, it was different. It was like I'd found my people. The owner explained, um, because they're like franchises, and so the owner explained the things that I was concerned about were the reason that they existed. They wanted all of their kids to be at least six months ahead of the school curriculum, and they believe that this helps their students build confidence and excel in school. It's all super foundational, and so it's just like core content. Like They're not teaching you how to do charts and graphs and things. They're teaching you addition, subtraction, multiplication, but as you have really solid foundational skills, then you can go to school fully prepared to lean in and engage and to be confident because you are not, you know, trying to count on your fingers. You know your math facts. So once I figured out what they were all about, I was in, (laughs) we got them into Kumon. We started with their math and then about three or four months later, we added on their reading sections so that he could kind of work up to that. But when we first started, they tested him according to their standards of mastery, and they found that he was actually a little behind where he should have been. Um, And it was going to take like six to eight months for him to catch up. And so this was a hard thing for me to hear as a mom, but I felt like I had a path to get him where I wanted him to go. And so that was good. And this doesn't mean that the feedback that I got from his teachers were wrong, because technically he was fine. Like he was testing middle of the pack. Um, He was bringing home A's. There wasn't anything really at that stage to be concerned about. Um, He understood the basic concepts, but he had not fully mastered those concepts. And this is important because as school gets harder, you build on the concepts that you learn. And so the stronger the foundation, the easier it's going to be as you go up. Um, It kind of turns into a house of cards, right? If you don't have that strong foundation. And then you get to the later years and you start really having some trouble. So since we started the Kumon, Sean's mastery of math facts has grown tremendously. He's always been a good reader, but I've learned, um, we take the map test here and I think it's pretty popular across the country. And that reading test is not about being able to read. (laughs) This guy's surprising to me because I'm like, my son reads very well, I don't understand. But they're testing your ability to comprehend and recall and there's very specific things that they want the kids to be able to do and so those are the things that he practices at Kumon among other things and on his last map test less than a year after starting the program he was above the 75th percentile in both math and reading which means if winter scores counted they I don't know if that's just a Garland ISD thing but you have to score in the fall to be able to then apply for the elite magnet schools. And so this is just kind of a benchmark test for the winter. But if this had counted, he would have had the scores to be eligible to attend any magnet school in Garland ISD. 
And it's not because he got any smarter, right? So that's kind of what I'm figuring out. It's because he got the support he needed to master the concepts on the test. I used to work in admissions when I was in college and there was a guy, um, an older guy who worked in admissions and people would ask him about like tests and like, do they matter and that sort of thing. And he would say, there are no bad test takers. There were only people who know the answers and people who don't. And everybody thought, like, he's a jerk. Like, why would he say that? That's awful. But it's kind of true. Sean didn't get any better at taking tests. He didn't get any smarter. He just practiced. He had the the support, the tools, the resources to be able to practice. And his scores went up, which is highly logical. But the part that concerns me as a citizen of this country <laughs> is that everybody, number one, doesn't know that they need to do extra They don't know that they need to put kids into these programs. And number two, even if they do know, everybody can't afford it. We were able to make this work for our budget, but there are a lot of people that can't afford it. So what are they supposed to do? That's one of the reasons on the next few episodes, I'm going to dig into some education related topics. But today I wanted to share just a few things that I've noticed. A lot of the families in our Kumon are from Asian, Indian, and African backgrounds. I've asked around, I've heard similar things about Kumon in other areas. I was seeing how it was impacting Sean, how his math and reading is improving. I was kind of laughing to myself when I started noticing this. Because there's all this bias based on like your background and where you come from. I know typically Asian students, for example, really excel in school and people will say, oh, it's because of like their culture, it's part of their background to really focus on education. And maybe this is true, but when people say it, it makes it seem like learning is just not as important or not as big of a priority to other groups of people. And I don't necessarily think that is true. I can at least speak for myself um, and the other black women that I'm friends with. Our children's educations are very, very important to us. My little sister just started medical school and we saw her white coat ceremony. And many of the students that were starting medical school with her were from similar backgrounds as the families that we've seen at Kumon. I also found out later that she went to Kumon when she was a kid. We have different moms and we're about 10 years apart. So I had no idea about that. Coincidence? I don't know. But I think having confidence when you go to school really does make a difference. So it's like, how do we give them that leg up so that they can actually fully capitalize on the things that they have access to? So over the next few weeks or months or however long I'm obsessed with this topic, I'm going to dig in on how we can create more opportunities for our kids to thrive academically and in other ways. And I would love to hear your ideas and questions. You can DM me at it's me, Sharia, on Instagram. I would love to hear from you. Just to get your wheels turning, there was one mom that asked me, what should I be thinking about now as the parent of an elementary age student to get her ready to go to college? And I thought that was a really good question. So I've been talking to one of my friends who's in the college access world as well, but has done advising to maybe bring some resources for that topic. So let me know what you want to know, because I want to help you. Okay. All right. See you next week. Thanks for joining me today and for staying until the very end of the show. It would mean the world to me if you would follow the Rise Society podcast so you never miss an episode. Until next time, keep shining.